Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I'm here with Zach, and we are going to talk about something that I honestly didn't want to talk about and been putting off for a long time, and so that's going to be the podcast. It's basically, it's, it's a, about my mom who uh, passed away in early August, so we're going to talk about that uh, in this podcast real quick, because to be honest, like... It took me a month before I could even talk about it without getting super emotional. But so let's start with um, you and I had the, the same basic issue, right? Right. Which was uh, we both went to prison. We both got extremely long prison sentences and our mothers were getting up there in age. And my one of my biggest goals was like I wanted to get out of prison while my mom was alive. Yes. And I, I know this happened with you because we talked about this where both of our siblings like actually told us like our parents were both getting older and, and having medical issues. And both of our siblings told us during like visits like she's hanging on until you get out like that. We really don't know what's keeping her going. It's but I feel like. She's hanging on until you get out. And well, here's and here's here's what's funny that, that you're. I'm, I think you're skipping is at the beginning of our bid, like in 2008 and nine, when our moms were very mobile, yeah. they both were coming up to see us. Right. Like we many times we discussed like the visitations we had with our mothers and how they're kind of like when you get out, you're not going to do this anymore. Right. How they put it behind and they just it, it became a part of. Us being there became a part of their life. And sometimes they come by themselves. I think your mom came by herself. My mom initially almost always came by herself. Like she was driving, she's in her 80s. She's driving up by herself. Going through that horrible, horrible system to get in. They treat, yes. they treat your mother like they crap. Treat your family like they're, like they're complete scumbags. Because yes. I even had a, I even had, by the way, when I went to the low, I even complained to my counselor. I was like, bro, why did they do that? You know what he told me? What? He goes, well, I mean, he said, I mean, you lay down with dogs. He goes, you get fleas. He said, I mean, who comes to see a, he was, he was, what kind of people come to see inmates? And I go, mothers and fathers. And I go, just like your mothers and fathers. He goes, my mother, he goes, my mother and father didn't raise, uh, raise a criminal. I mean, this is really what they, they think. I mean, what a scumbag. Good for him. I hope his kids go to jail. His name was, actually, his name was Counselor Smith. I don't know his Counselor first Smith? name, but Counselor Smith, fat, re- retired, scumbag, I hope, white I hope, guy. I hope his kids go to jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I pray his kids go to prison, yeah. So he can lay down with dogs, but right. um, but yeah, our our moms would come up there and visit. My mom would bring my daughter all the time, and we both got like our moms used to surprise us. Like there were always scheduled visits for them to come, but I noticed that both of us would, hey, you got a visit? I got a visit. You're like, yeah. hey, my mom just came out of nowhere, right? You know, like what? Well, your our moms are at home going, you know what? I'm going to go see my kid. Right. <laughs> and they just hop in the car unannounced without, you know, waiting for you to call. I'm thinking about coming this day. They just decide, hey, I'm going to go see you. And that happened because when I went to the shoe, the when I was in the holding and lockdown, the the days because our our visit days was Friday. It was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, honestly, they, they switched it at Coleman. They switched it several times. Like then they started doing a point system. So you could go any day, but you only had so many points a month. Right. Like there was there was they kept changing it back and forth, back and forth. Well, like for the people yeah, in lockdown, like it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Right. So my mom would tell me like, oh, that's going to be hard. But she made all type of arrangements to come up there on Wednesday. It was it was unbelievable. Right. It was unbelievable. So 
I just wanted to mention that at the beginning they were able to come and, yeah. and, and it was like a couple of years. It's like, Oh, it was, it was years for me. My mom came until she was 80, I think she was 85 years old or 86. And she had a, a, a major stroke and she was in a wheelchair. And really, honestly, it was like a month. She, she only missed a month, like within a month. She's like, okay, well I, I need to go see Matt. And they were like, you're in a wheelchair, mom. I know, but I, I want to go see him. My brother's like, well, mom, how are you going to go see him? And she's like, well, you'll bring me or <laughs> yeah. someone will bring me. Yes. My nurse will bring me. We'll yeah. get, we got to get her on the, uh, on the visitation. Like she's conscious enough to say, I have to get the, one of the first person that used to bring her was a woman named Paralee. Paralee has to get approved through the visitation list. So they got her on visitation. And then she, then my mom said, okay, well she'll come and she'll take me. And my brother's like, Mom, you're in a wheelchair. What if they won't? They might not let you bring your wheelchair. Well, they have wheelchair. I've seen people in wheelchairs. And she was like, "That's moms." Yeah, they were like, "But mom, you know, you sleep a lot and your medications. You all sleep in the car on my way there." And I'm going to see Matt. Yeah, it it just no matter what my brother said, it was look, we're going. Like you got get this through your fucking head. I'm, we're going to figure a way out. I've seen people in wheelchairs. There. Yeah. Like this, I'm going, this can happen. <laughs> we're going to make this happen. And How does that make you feel? Oh, I mean it, it, that, you know, horrible, obviously horrible. It made me, I mean, obviously, you know, I love my mom. I wanted to come see me, but it's a horrible situation to know that I'm putting her through this, you know, but it's not her fault. Like she didn't do anything wrong. Um, she raised a bunch of other good kids. So, yeah. But, what about like my mom yeah, when she was so you know I get a fire kind of stuff. Please I'm don't sorry. stop upsetting me. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. My my mom when she couldn't when I got moved to Jessup and she was arranging to make it, like and she couldn't make it. But it was like she apologized to me. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I couldn't get up there to see you. And I, I'm like, Mom, how do you owe me an apology for that? Yeah. You know, I mean it's just it's unbelievable. Mothers are like a mother's love is unbelievable, like what the extent of what we mean to see them and the prison and what they put them through. So it's like that means nothing. I'm going to see my baby. Yeah. My I mom, know. one time I told her, like, you know, you don't deserve to have to come here. And she goes, well, you're my son and I love you. This doesn't change that. Yeah. You know, she just she, to her. It was like, I don't give a fuck about all this. I know. So um, but so here's what happened. Let's like I want to wrap this up as okay. quick as fucking possible. Understood. Understood. Okay. So you were desperate to get out because your mom was sick. Yes. Your mom was getting sicker and sicker. And, and she was asking me, like, when are you coming home? Oh, when when she started asking me that, I started going, okay, she's scared that yeah. she's not going to make it. Now, like before, I was like, oh, she's like, I think you've been in there long enough. When are they going <laughs> to let you out? You know, and because she wanted me, she wanted to make it, you know. So that's what's happening near the end of my bid in twenty. 19, 20, 18, she started asking, like, you've been gone a long time. When are you coming home? Yeah. My, my mom actually had a stro- another stroke. She had several strokes, but she had, a, like, I think when the first stroke happened, I think it was the first or the second stroke, she actually went into, um, went into hospice care. Like, they were like, look, it's a major stroke. She had four strokes. Uh, the fifth one is one, uh, the last one. So they, she had, like, four strokes. And, you know, some were really bad ones. Some were, eh. Um, so one of the strokes, it was so bad. They said, okay, we're going to put her into hospice and they put her into hospice. 
and a couple days, and a couple days went by, and then in a couple days, she started getting better. So she start, they're like, like, they put you in the hospital so they think this is the end of your life. Listen, within a week, she's like, I want to go home. I feel better. I'm ready to go home. They're like, th- th- what's, what, what, what just happened? So they literally take her out and they bring her home. She got better. She comes to see me like a, a couple of weeks later. And, and I remember too. So, you know, and the big thing was, you know, she's Norwegian. Is um, the joke was like, listen, like. She's a Viking, bro. Like she's <laughs> don't count her out. She's she's a Viking. Like right. she may look like she's on her deathbed, and she'll jump up with a sword and cut your head off. So right. She um. So next thing you know, she comes back. She's coming back again. Uh. So, um, yeah. So she kept coming, and then I I eventually you know got and keep in mind too. Like I didn't get moved to a camp because it was my choice, like you can go to a camp. And I did everything I could to not go to a camp because the closest camp was Miami. My mom can't come. It's, it's a four hour, four and a half hour drive. It's like a four hour, four and a half hour drive to get to Miami. Like I'll never see her, you know? So she was only, Coleman was only an hour away. And you know what it's like. It's like a yes. huge ordeal to get you down there. And then she's in a wheelchair. Yes. How's that going to happen? Like the, the, the cost, the logistics of it. So, you know, I did everything to try and stay in Coleman. Um, Anyway, so eventually I got, so I got out of prison and my, you know, what, how come I can't be like a fucking, you know, I don't want to say non-emotional, but you don't get upset. Oh, I get up. I get upset. But my, my mom died last year. Your mom died this year. Yeah. So had we done this last year. Might've been a basket case. I might've been a basket case. I'm still a basket. We had the year anniversary. I was a basket case. My daughter who my mom took to raise is a, a, like, when it comes to my mom, my mom, she's an emotional wreck. I, when I go to my girl's house. She raised your daughter. Yes, she did. And she kept my daughter and she wanted to pass her off to me to raise. And that was, that was her prayer. I guess her request for God was like, let me make it for him to get home. Right. But um, I, I at, at my girl's house, I have a blanket. So there's a blanket in my room. It's like a little furry blanket. And I took it to my girl's house because she keeps it freezing in there. Right. So when my daughter was over there and she saw the blanket, she's like, oh, that, that's grandma's blanket. Because I had bought her a blanket with all my mom's pictures on it for her because that's how close my daughter was. But that was her personal blanket that when she's sitting in a chair, she wrapped up in. Right. I said, oh. Oh, yeah. I go, it is. She's like, get that to me. Yeah, she didn't like the fact that it was over there. No. (laughs) Like, no, no. So my daughter's even closer. So, yes, I'm I'm a year out, you know, and I'm not saying it gets easier. It does get easier. There's something that um, I heard before is like when a loved one passes away, pretty soon the thought of them will bring a smile to your face before a tear to your eye. You know, and a lot of thoughts of when me and my siblings talk about my mom, it's more like we're kind of happy, like of moments that she gave us. So right. it's 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 rough. It's rough. Yeah. I, well, I'm not there. So, I mean, like what I <laughs> Give yourself a little time, <laughs> you know, so my whole thing was like getting out and just spending going to see her as much as I could. Right. Which is torture, which was at the end is torture. Well, at the yeah, at the very end. But it. You know, she's in a wheelchair. She's in a home. She she had great care. Like she had these three um, great nurses. She was able to stay in her own like condo um, in a nursing home. So I mean, she had a great you know setup. Um, so 
I, I would go see her like three days a week. I would go over there in the morning, like nine o'clock, well, more like like eight or nine o'clock, and we would have uh, we would have have breakfast. So you know that takes 30, 40 minutes, an hour, and then we walk around. We take I we go for a walk, really, it's me pushing her in the in the wheelchair, and we walk around, and then I come back, and then by that point she's exhausted. You know, she's on medication. She was got to, towards the end. She's sleeping 20, 22 hours a day. So, you know, and you have basically like this machine to get her out of the, it's not a machine. It's a, it's a tool. Like it's a thing you slide in. They, it slips behind her and she can hold on and it lifts her up and then they, you wheel it over and put her into bed. So, uh, I'm seeing her three, four days a week. You know, I'm also coming over and I'm having dinner. I'm going, we would go by, I'd go by, uh, Olive Garden and bring it to her. So she loved Olive Garden. So I would bring Olive Garden and we would eat um and we would talk and uh, and i'd have breakfast with her so well what happened was in the first the first uh your halfway house no no oh no no in the half no this was this has been like the last two years since i got out of the halfway house okay okay so just, when i got out this is what i was i was doing oh no in the halfway house in the halfway house i would go see her because the visitation was so horrible in the halfway house yeah that i literally convinced the guy that was i was working for we would call the halfway house and say I had to go pick up equipment and welding equipment and do this and for the, it, so I could then swing by to see my mother in a wheelchair because the halfway house were such fucking cocksuckers they about would, visitation with her. Because they wouldn't the let me see my mom either. Motherfucker. Listen, I mean, look, you know, and I'm not a violent person, but when I start thinking about taking a baseball bat to you, I mean, you know, I, like I was, we had better visitations in, in prison. And they were scumbags. So, but the point is I would go by there and I'd sit with her for like an hour or so. And I'd be like, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Because I feel like if the halfway house figures out I'm not at work, right. it's a problem. So my point is, is so for like, I got, I got a good two years with her. And then in August, it's actually exactly two years. Cause I got out of the halfway house in July. So in the first part of August, it was a th- Thursday. No, it was a Friday. I went over there. We had breakfast. Um, I wheeled her around the the complex, and I remember just for some reason we did it once, and her nurse is walking behind me. You know, she's playing on the phone, and she loved her nurse. Her nurse, um, and uh, her name's Celine, so she loves Celine. And so I remember stopped and I went, "Let's go around again." And she's like, "You know, Celine's like, okay." So we go around again, and I never did that because she usually starts complaining. But she you know, starts complaining like, I'm tired. I want to go in now. But she didn't. So we kept walking, and then she was like, I'm tired. I want to go now. Okay. So <laughs> we go back, and I get her over there and put her in the, the, the machine that kind of she can reach up in the chair. She holds on the machine, and then it slides behind her, and it lifts her up. And then you turn her, and you put her in bed. So she got put in bed. I did it, and she, boom, she sat down in bed. And she sat down in bed and she kind of wobbled a little bit. And Celine said, Mrs. Cox, are you okay? Or I think she's dizzy. And I go, mom, are you okay? And she looked up at me and it was actually, it was not, it was the, the left side of her face kind of drooped a little, no, no, it was the right side. Sorry. The right side of her face kind of drooped a little bit and her eyes slid sideways and she just leaned into me and went boom. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I, I laid her down and Celine was like, you know, is she dizzy? Is she dizzy? And I was like, no, no, she, I think she just had a stroke. 
Like, I mean, that's definitely looked like a stroke to me. I was like, mom, mom. And she started trying to talk and she's, it's just coming out. And I'm like, okay, so we immediately, we call my sister. We say, look, I think she just had a stroke. So Celine's like, what do we do? Do you want us to call 911? And she said, let me call her doctor first. Cause she's had several strokes. And then the problem with a stroke after at her age, like there's really nothing they can do. No. Like you think, oh, if you get her to the hospital, like everybody's like, bring her to the hospital. Why? Been through this multiple times. There's not really anything they can do. Now, they can if you get her there within an hour. Right. There is a medication they can give her, but it's probably like it's a it's very, very dangerous. So we call my sister and she calls her doctor. The doctor called back and said, go ahead and call 911. There is some medication we can give her. It might work. We get her there to the hospital. Um, she was there within an hour. Doctors come in, like when we're talking about Two doctors come in, then a couple, another doctor. Then suddenly four different people come in and sit down. There's a grieving counselor. Like we're like, okay, it's just me and my sister at this point, me, my sister and Celine. And they're like, look, we can give her the medication, but you understand there's a, they give us the percentages. There is a 50% chance that the medication can kill her. She won't survive the, the, the medication. There is a 15% chance that it breaks that or 20% chance it breaks up the, the clot. There is a, like they keep, they give us all these percentages and my sister's just staring and she likes looked at me and I go give her the medication. And they were like, okay, once again, you understand is this much, this much, this, I was like, but no matter what, there's almost no chance. Like there's like a 10, 10 or 20% chance that it actually works. It either kills her, she stays the same or it works. Like I understand there's 50%, but the truth is it either what what's going to happen. You know, she has a a uh, an NDR, so she doesn't want she doesn't want to stay like this. Right. So it's either the medication kills her, or it makes her better, or nothing happens. Like, okay, give it to her. You know, and their whole thing is like, you understand it could kill. I understand, but she, no matter what, if she stays like this, she wants to die. She's right. already been very for the last year or two. She's been saying, I just want to go. I'm just ready to go. She was in pain all the time. She sleeps all the time. She's ready to go. So, you know, it's just a quality of life issue that it's just, she, when they start saying, I'm ready, this is, I'm done. So they give her the medication. It doesn't help her. So they said, we want to bring in hospice. We can bring her upstairs. We can put a feeding tube in. She doesn't want a feeding tube. She doesn't want this. She doesn't want any of that. We've had this conversation. She just wants to go. They said, okay, we can bring her to hospice. She doesn't want to go to hospice. We want to bring her home, have hospice come in, and they can do that. They'll come in. They're like, yeah, but you have to have round the clock. We already have three full-time nurses. She's got the best care possible. She doesn't know hospice, that you know that place, and they do amazing work. Right. So hospice comes in. They basically just give her medication. They give her medication, um, and they keep her comfortable, and they keep her basically doped up. And then after about three or four days, like I'm, I'm there around the clock. I think there was only one time I was gone for about two or three hours. So I'm getting there at like eight or nine in the morning. I'm staying till 11 o'clock at night. I'm coming here. I'm going to sleep. I'm going right back. I think there was only one time when we did a podcast because we had it scheduled. We had to have something done. And my sister, I said, look, I can cancel it. My sister was like, no, nothing's changing. She's going to be like this until it's until till the end. She's going to be okay. Like go. So we went and we did a few hours. Came here, did a podcast. I went right back. So I was there until you know it took a week. 
It took a week and she slowly got worse and worse. And, and you know, initially she can hold your hand, she can squeeze, right? She just squeezed my fingers. And then it slowly got worse and worse. And then the last day I was sitting with her and Celine was there. And, you know, her breath kept getting shorter and shorter. And of course, initially her feet start turning blue. Then her hands started, oh, I know, bro, it's the fucking worst. And they're cold. And you're sitting there trying to kind of like warm up her hands. And, and she's basically, she can, she'll wake up and her eyes were shifted sideways and she would kind of look for a second and then she'd go back to sleep. And you're just like, you know, you're talking to her. She's, there's no, there's not non-responsive. And you're just waiting and you're, well, you're basically waiting for her to die. And her breath kept getting further and further apart. It, it's, it's like. 20 seconds and then over oh, this is over the course of hours and hours throughout the whole day till it got to the point where it's like a minute and you're like that was it that was her last breath and then she'd go <gasps> another breath and then stop a minute goes by so it got to the point where it was just like after it had been like um it was got to a minute minute and a half like you're literally like holy shit like this is this has got to be the last breath i went and I got my sister. I came back and I told my sister, I said, she was sitting outside uh, talking on the porch. I go, I, I, Helen, I think you need to come in. And she goes, what? Boom. Hung up. Walked in. I sat down. I grabbed my mom's hand. And she went, took a breath. Another minute went by. Took one more breath. Never took another breath. And Celine listened to her heart. Nothing. You know, this is after like three, four, five minutes. Sat up and Celine burst into tears and ran out of the room. And then my, uh, yeah, my sister called a bunch of people and said, "You, if you want to come by, come by. Because as soon as we call, they're going to come get her. If you want to see her, come now. Because she's going to go to the, she's going to go to the funeral home. And they're going to cremate her. So called my brother, called several people. They came over. All of her nurses came. And, um, fuck, I really fucking thought I'd be okay. Okay. So the bottom line is, um, you know, I thought about it is that it was really the best case scenario because my mom used to say, I told you this, is that, you know, life is dangerous. Nobody's getting out alive. Sorry. Nobody's getting out alive. So she's going to die. So, you know, in the game of life, like. She won, like she died. I got out of prison. She died with her family members all over, all around her. Fuck. She died with her family members all around her. Um, it was the best case scenario that could have happened. Everybody got to come see her. I don't, I mean, I'm assuming she recognized people. You know, she seemed like she recognized people the first few days. <laughs> Her brother came to see her like, like, you know, brothers, aunts, uncles, like everybody got to come see her. I was holding her hand when she died. I was able to get out of prison. It's the best possible, you know, solution to the problem, you know, with the exception of living forever. Right. So, um, yeah, so I like, I couldn't, you know, I, it's been like, I guess it's been a month and, uh, it's been like a month and a half now. Yeah, it's been about a month. Uh, yeah, it's been. What's it been? No, two months. Is it two months? About two months. <laughs> about two months. Sorry. So it's been two months, and uh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, we had to do this this video, and and you're in the exact same situation I am. You know, the exact same situation. It's 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 odd, um, but yeah. I mean, you you 
and I wanted to do this because I know you're in the same situation and I didn't, you know, well, thought I would be okay. <laughs> not. Well, it's making, it's making me depressed. I'm hoping I don't tear up, but um, like mine was very similar and she's at my sister's house. And as you, I, I think, I, I don't know if I was talking to you at that time before my mom died or did my mom just die she when we just met? just died. Like a, uh, she had died maybe like a few months. It had been months, several months. Like okay. Yeah. This was, it was August. It, and it, it was weird as it, it was in August. Um, well, first of all, what, what I really remember is when I saw my mom, right. And I could just tell that she was in a shell. Like, like this isn't my mom. This is a shell that's holding the spirit of my mom. You know, like I was blown away even though I hugged her, you know, um, and saw her. Well, then like she was in horrific pain. So she like your mom, she had been to the hospital a couple of times. She didn't have strokes. She was just deteriorating quickly. Like the deterioration, like my daughter tells me was about a four. Like my daughter tells me like the last seven months, she just deteriorated all the way into nothing. So my mom didn't want to die in a hospital. So they put us in our, well, actually my mom did want to die in a hospital because her main concern was her being a burden on us. Because when her last days, we took shifts watching her. Like I used to watch her overnight. You know, somebody sat with her the whole time and she hated that. She hated also the fact that my daughter would would have to clean her when she went to the bathroom, you know, until they, um, I think they gave her a catheter. Mm. And so um, one of the things that, that really affected me about my mom is one day, one night I was there watching her near the end and like she woke up and it's like, she's like, I'm still here. She's like, why am I still here? Because she wanted to go. And so I'm sitting there and she's asking, she's like, Lord, why won't you take me? She's like, you gave me everything that I asked for. You brought my son home. You've got my family healthy. Everybody's doing well and they're going to make it. It's like, why won't you just come and take me? And that was her prayer. It's like, and, and, and I kept telling her, I go, mom, we don't want you to go. I say, mom, I know you're ready, but we don't want you to go. And she kind of looked at me as if, like, you're going to have to deal with it, son. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, she gave me that look like, hey, she told me sometimes healing is death. She said, my passing is going to bring me more relief than any medicine ever. You know, so um, my mom last days, she was up almost 24 hours, like almost 30 hours. She spent awake, 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 cursing like my mom was always a happy person, like generally like I am. But she was very angry and frustrated and she stayed awake for a long time. And was she medicated at all? Like, where? yeah, we gave her medicine to go to sleep. And she took her medication. She ate her soup. We changed her. I think she took a bath. But she was angry, kind of frustrated. But it's like she wouldn't go. I go, Mom, why won't you go to sleep? She's like, I'm not tired. She goes, I want to sit up or lay down. And and but when she fell asleep, like she never woke up. And I always thought that was bizarre because it's almost as if she knew she wanted to call certain people. But I, I guess maybe. Like to me, I think she knew like when I go to sleep, I'm not I'm not coming up out of the sleep. So she fell asleep. And like you said, with your mom, her breath kept getting further and further apart. And they and they pronounced her dead. I wasn't there. 
But I got there. I came from work, from my office, when they pronounced her dead. It, it's, it's horrible because everybody in the family's there and they're like, did you want to visit with my mom? Like to visit with the body before they take her out. But she didn't get cremated. She got buried. Like the process of what they do to a, a body in a funeral home is almost horrific. So maybe a cremation would have been better. So I visited with her before they took her out. My daughter did. And she was torn apart. That's what really broke me up is my daughter being torn apart because that's the person that raised her. So, and when they took her out, you know, we were all broken. I had to keep my sisters and brothers together. But like, like I said, nowadays, like, and this is brand new because at the beginning we did a lot of crying. Like we call and like, I'm upset, you know, mom, like I'd call my sister or I call my brother and we, we spend time grieving, but now it's like, we kind of tell stories about remember when mom such and such remember this when this happened remember when we had uh raccoons in the in the attic of the house and you know it becomes memories of times that was hilarious or the threats that mom made or what she did to us when we did this you know <laughs> when she was pregnant with me all those all those stories that you know family tells that's kind of what we go through now so you got about 8 months before it starts shifting from being so painful to being like memories that you really enjoy. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, just cause I, I keep, I, I told you this, like, uh, I keep having these because I was on a schedule. Like I would go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then sometime during the week or the weekend, I would have dinner with her. Like I was on a, so I, and then she would call me during the day or I would call her during the day. So there was like all these little things. So I constantly had these little spikes of panic. Like, Oh my gosh, am I supposed to like, Oh, and I wake up in the morning, like, did I oversleep? Or, oh my gosh, am I supposed to see mom today? And then I'm yes. like, nah, bro, you're not going to see. What are you doing? I drove by on 75 the other day. I was driving. And her exit was coming up. And I thought, fuck, I'll swing by. Because sometimes if I'm in that area, like, I'll swing by just to walk in and say, you know, hey, mom, what are you doing? You know, oh, you're coming to see me. You know, and she'd be okay. For, you know, I'd talk to her for 20 minutes and then leave. Right. So, so, you know, I saw it and just for that, that split second, like, oh, I don't stop by there. I was like, bro, what are you doing? You're not stopping by anywhere. Like right. it was like, so I keep having these little spikes and I keep for actually they, they went away for like a week or two afterwards and then they spiked back up again in the last month or so. It started over again. I'm just waiting for it to kind of dissipate because it will. It was my, my whole purpose. My main purpose was to, to be able to spend time with her. And that purpose is gone. So I wake up now and I, I it seems stupid, but I, in, in a way I feel like lost. Like, you know, I mean, like I have tons, I'm doing tons of stuff, but my main purpose was that and that's gone. And so, you know, it's just, it's a weird, it's a very weird feeling because like I don't have to leave my apartment. Like I'm here all the time now where I used to, I was constantly leaving and driving you know, what, 30, 45 minutes? Yes. See her, come back. I mean, that was three hours, four hours every day, driving there, spending out an hour or two with her and coming back. And now it's like, it's just, it's a weird sensation. It's like, I'll be here for like three days straight and never leave. And it feels weird. So, but um, yeah, it's funny because my brother-in-law was, uh, when she came back and she had, she was in bed and hospice came in and they had this whole conversation with us about how this is going to go. Yes, I remember that. My brother goes, I want everybody here to know something. He said, 
there's a damn good chance this woman gets up, gets up and you know, she's you know, she's up, you know, being wheeled around the complex and feeding the the fishes and and you know talking shit, basically talking to everybody. You know what I'm saying? He's right. like, remember last time? She's a Viking, yes. and it was so bro. Everybody burst out laughing because she had done it before. My my mom, that's in that weird because my mom did that. Like we kept going. I'm like, ah, eh, she's sick now, but. Like she could be fine. Yeah. Like mom might wake up and snap out of it and live another year. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's tough. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like I, okay. So like, I was just, let's just wrap this up because, um, uh, okay. So yeah, I just wanted to go over this real quick with everybody. And, um, because I know people keep leaving comments they keep leaving comments like, hey, bro, uh, talk about your mom or do another video on your mom. Because everybody loves it when I do my mom's voice. I don't know if you've ever seen me do yes, my mom's uh, voice. Of course I have. So, oh, I, oh, I used to come back from visitation. My mom said this. My mom, I would do it. Or she tell to, you to forgive your sister. Don't, you, that's just her. Yeah, you've got to talk herself. to your sister. I remember my, one time. <laughs> One of my one of my things was my mom was like, you need to contact your sister. And then I was like. No, mom, there's no contact her for what? She doesn't come to see me. She's mad at me. She said, well, you need to, you need to, she goes, you need to contact her. She says, well, what's, who's going to take care of you when I'm gone? I said, well, you're just going to have to keep on living. And she says, well, I'm doing it. I'm trying, but it's getting hard. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, people love my, uh, love that. And so people in the comment section will be like, bro, you got to talk about your mom or what's going on with your mom. And they've been doing, and so for the past two months that they've been doing it, it's like, she's gone. So I, I knew I had to address it. So right. and, and you've been through the same thing. So it's addressed and I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, bro, like subscribe and share the video and do all the stuff you're supposed to do. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And that's it.